Howdy do. Howdy, folks. Thanks for joining us today. We're coming at you live from Philadelphia. Streets of Philadelphia. Streets of Philadelphia. Bruce Springsteen. Chartreuse, what the fuck? So, welcome to Don't Be an Idiom, the podcast that explores the origin stories of popular phrases and idioms. Last episode, we asked you, our listeners, to submit some dingbat cocktails, because uh, apparently in the 1800s there was a dingbat cocktail. No one has the recipe for it. So uh, we're starting the show off with a dingbat cocktail. It's called Don't Be a Dingbat. It was created by our good friend Chris, Chris Cardillo. Cardillo. And so if you want to make one while you listen to this episode, all you need are a few things. You need Aperol. You need uh, uh, Mezcal. <clears throat> yeah. You need Chartreuse, which we which have some highly things, expensive. Yeah, we have some things to say about Chartreuse. Chris, what do you think? We're made of money? <laughs> and some lime juice. Yeah. And then you got the Don't Be a Dingbat cocktail. You're welcome. Equal parts. Shake it with some ice and enjoy. We're, we're sipping some right now. It's very good. Very good. Um, what do you think about Chartreuse, Al? Well, I think Chartreuse is too expensive. Honestly, I don't know. Like Chris knows us. We're from nowhere. And we don't have money. But, but, you know, so we're like, we're going to the store, picking out ingredients and stuff. And we were like, all right, you know, this is $17, $20. And then we were like, oh, hey, bub, behind the register, you got some chartreuse? And he's like, oh, let me think about that. And then he's like, yeah, right here. And there's only, you know, it's not like a generic chartreuse. It's just one chartreuse that's made by monks in a monastery for thousands of years. And, of course, it's $50.99, which is like, that's fine if you're trying to impress a lady. But yeah, but that's not what we're trying to do here today. To, we're just trying to drink a dingbat cocktail here. But you know what? Maybe this will impress all the ladies out there in radio land. So yeah. Uh, they love when you complain real, about the prices of drinks. <laughs> real women love men who drink cocktails with chartreuse. With 150 flowers in it. Am I right? 130 alpine herbs, I think, is, is what's in there. Yeah. French monks from the 1600s, Al, made this. Yeah, I they, know. They say that. You're not impressed? Well, I just think that it's a great story. But mm -hmm. first of all, we can't ask them what the ingredients are because... They're sworn to a vow of silence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says it on the bottle. It's a, it feels like they're bragging. Yeah, right. Because cool. they're like, well, we can only brag in print because we can't <laughs> brag out loud. We'll just ring some bells, I guess, and yeah, they true, know. True monks can only brag in print. Print and bells, yeah. Print and bells. Uh, anyway, it's well, a nice anyway, story. It's, it's a, good. It's, Buy it's, it for your sweetheart. It is <laughs> your sweetheart. Buy it for your sweetheart. So, uh, but the drink's good. It yeah. tastes like. Well, I said my my first thing that came to my mind was like a freaky margarita. Yeah, a freakarita. A freakarita, but I mean that in a good way. Like it, it's reminiscent of a of a margarita. That's but true. So, what uh, do you think? You have a better palate than me, Hannibal. No, no, uh, no, it's yeah. Tastes like a drink. <laughs> tastes like a cocktail. All it's right. Good. All right. Tastes like a Miller Lite to me. I feel like it tastes like grapefruit a little, but I think it's just because of the color. Yeah, we're probably talking about this too long. Whoa, anyway, okay, hopefully, okay, hopefully okay. you paused and you, you made one, and now you're joining us. Um, 
So uh, besides that, so we want to thank Chris for sending in his recipe for the don't thank be a so ding. Much. Thank you so much. so much. You know our Venmo. You can send us 50 bucks for the chartreuse. No big deal. Forty nine. You send us forty nine ninety nine. It's no big deal. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're big time celebrities. We, 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 <laughs> no, that doesn't make. You any sent sense. us the money for the for the cocktail we made, and it's all good. We're all friends again. It's a nice joke. Thanks, Chris. Um. <laughs> um. The other thing uh, we just wanted to set the record straight, as we always do in yes, season do. three episodes. Uh, the tomato is technically a berry. Yeah, that's one for the dumb guy but right te- here for you, all you Audubon. You have to out say there. you have to say botanically classified as a berry. Okay, but unbotanically, tomatoes up for grabs. It can be anything. What does the unbotanical realm really look like, though? I've never been there. I mean, I don't want to leave the botanical <laughs> realm. It's the only place I've ever been right. <laughs> that's true. And um, we also had uh, someone reach out and and also um, set the record straight. Well, he was he was our uh, listener Wesley. He got in touch with us on Instagram. Wesley. Let us know that uh, that the Waco show uh, originally appeared on. Uh, wait, now I forget. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember what I said? Okay. I read it. No, to you. I don't remember what he said. But here's the thing, Wesley, if you're listening, thank you so much for reaching out. It's nice to know that we have listeners that aren't just our friends. Uh, what I was. You were helping us learn about something totally else, which is probably even better than what I was talking about. But the, for any of you that were yelling at the uh, at the podcast last week, um, <clears throat> it's David Koresh. That's who. That's the name I was looking for. But what I was saying is that the show Waco was on HBO, then Netflix. But yeah, no one Wesley, cares. Wesley, Wesley <laughs> let us know that there's even a better, older. Well, show. Well, the Waco show originally aired on the Paramount Network. And Koresh was both host and band leader, which right? He, which which uh, is is that good sounds to know. great. And we're gonna have Koresh on on the uh, on the show one yeah, day. Yeah, dead Koresh is gonna be in. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, besides that, you know, I think uh, oh, we have a second Dingback cocktail coming later in the show. Yeah. So stay tuned. So stay tuned. And uh, today, to determine who goes first. Uh, we're just gonna hold our breath. <laughs> Good old fashioned, you know, you know, playground swimming hole games. We're holding our breath. We're gonna hold our breath, and uh, whoever holds their breath the longest goes uh, first. Goes first, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You win. Once they're out of breath, they go first. Um, I did want to say uh, that Russia is our number two listener this month. Woo, Russia! To Russia with love. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Can't wait for that uh, COVID vaccine. According to our stats in the last 30 days. <laughs> can't wait for a COVID vaccine. No, that's the thing. They no, say, no, they I saw they it. have one. It's topical. Yeah, it's very topical. Dude, I'm sh- I'm shocked you listen- you like read the news. I know. I know. I know. Wow. It's like, uh, I don't know where I heard it. Oh, well, I live in my brother's house who has cable now. Oh, you watch the news? Sometimes. Oh, that accident. sounds horrible. It's mostly Trevor Noah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just by act in between South Park sure. marathons. Yeah, okay. All right. That right, made, right, right, right. Just trying to get down to the bottom of this. Yeah. Um, we also accidentally made up a new idiom, which you and your friends can use at home. Yes. And the, idi- the idiom is dogs in the crate. Dogs in the crate. Right? So can you explain um, right. the, the general... So, idiot? okay. So dogs in the crate is basically we, we have a friend who... Who had to keep he, he his works, dog in a crate. He works, 
and his wife works also. So the they have a dog and they live in a city, right? Yeah, a city. city? A, a city. A, a city. And, you know, the dog has to be in the crate a lot because you have two working parents and, you know, so... What you can use dogs in the crate for is when you're very busy. Too busy. You're too busy, you know, because... Too busy to give a dog the care it needs. Right. Like, it's nice that you have the dog, but it's in the crate the whole time, so... Yeah, so, like, how's your week been? Like, yeah, man, dogs in the crate. Dogs in the crate. Dogs in the crate. Nonstop. So, this is an official... This was, like, a... This is... We weren't trying to come up with an idiom, but, like, it just really fell in our laps, and we really think that you guys should use it a lot, because this could be an... This could be an example of what the whole point of the show is yeah. about, is creating an idiom on the fly. Yeah, and in the future, when someone else has an idiom podcast, they might look up, so where did this dogs in the crate idiom come from? Right here. And they'll be able to trace it back to this moment. Right. This podcast. And then uh, yeah. and then we and then it'll be full circle. It's August 17th, 2020 right now. Oh, good, good, it. good. Timestamp. You know? Timestamp that. But so the next time someone asks how you're doing, Instead of saying you're busy, say, dogs in the crate. Perfect. That's what you gotta do. Good. We did it. All right. That was a, an original point of the show was to create idioms. I forgot. Yeah, we that. just kind of lost sight of... <laughs> no, well, every, every episode title is supposed to be an idiom itself. Yes, but, right, you know, but, but we're not going to rigidly hold on to things that we come up with. Yeah, because not every young. title really works that way. All right, guys. Uh, so on with the show. It's time to determine go. who goes first. On with the show. It's time, time to, to go. go. Let's hold our breath. Are you ready? Actually, can I put a timer on? I kind of want to see. Good. And um, I don't know. Maybe I'll add like some music or something. Right. Yeah. If it takes too long, we'll have an interlude. Inter- well, not an interlude. We'll an extra lude. Have- we'll- <laughs> an outer lude. <laughs> well, we'll have an outer lude. All right. You ready? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, I hate that game. Oh, my God. Oh, man. You know what I unfair about that game? You know, if, I was thinking about, like, you know when you, when you do underwater breathing tests with your friends? Yeah. You could, when, when you do the whole exhalation of your dead air yeah you know you're under there and then you're just like you're holding 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 yeah. and it's like like then you still have some time left yeah because you're because you're underwater you're exhaling and then you clearly can't take a breath in right but yeah. if, if one of us was to exhale here everyone's gonna be like they, they lose yeah, right that's true so you can't do the exhalation first no because then it sounds like you lose but you didn't have to take a breath in yeah all right well i was uh I got a minute 44. You did a minute 46. Oh, my God. That's actually pretty long. Both of those are pretty long, right? I think so, yeah. God, I wish I would have known if I was close to the two-minute mark. I would have tried to go for it, I think. I, it was painful. Yeah. I started getting a little dizzy, which I guess is what happens when you deprive yourself of oxygen. Anyway, Albert. My turn first. Let's hear what your idiom is today. All right. Let me just take a deep breath and get ready. Well, I am pleased as punch that neither of us passed out on this one. 
Pleased as punch. Pleased as punch. That's a wonderful idiom. I'm really happy to hear that this is the one that you picked today. Yeah, that's my idiom. Uh, pleased as punch just means ultimately pleased. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really happy. Very pleased. <laughs> I guess it's technically a simile. It's a popular simile. Yeah, but nobody knows what they're talking about. The similarity is right. right. Like yeah, you're pleased as punch. Punch is happy. Mm-hmm. What is that? Hmm. What is that thing that's so happy? Yeah, pleased as punch. I guess I always thought it was referring to, like, fruit punch. Yes. All right. That's what I thought, too. Oh, but it's not that. Maybe. Or I could be trying to mislead you. Oh, no. Wait, so I'm supposed to guess what the origin story is right now. Yeah. Should I not go for the the, the fruit punch? No, you should and shouldn't yeah. go for it. All right. Because I, I think what I was, uh, my immediate thought was... Go with uh, your me. I think the immediate thought's good. Yeah. Because I, I, this is, since it's such a popular one, I feel like what I always imagined with Pleased as Punch was, you know, 1950s advertising agency, you know, speaking to your common housewife and like, what, what can we sell these ladies? <laughs> You know, cigarettes. <laughs> Are they smoking cigarettes? Are they walking? Diet pills. Pills. Diet pills. How do we keep these wives happy? Right. And so I guess I immediately imagined, you know, a uh, centerfold of Home and Gardens magazine. Oh, yeah. Home and Garden. <laughs> or is that a thing? Yeah. Home yeah. and Garden. I don't. <laughs> I'm just. Is somebody naked in the centerfold? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. Back in the in the fifties, they uh, they didn't have Playboy, did they? Uh, the, we'll we'll put it on the next. Um, set the record set straight. The record straight. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna guess yes. no. <laughs> Damn it! Uh, all right, okay. Yeah. All right. Next well, week, you will know. If this Playboy is a reason. This is early. This is a 50s. reason. This is a reason to turn tune in one last time. But if they didn't have Playboy in the fifties, yeah. they had naked people on their gardens. No, that's not what I was thinking. So, uh, <laughs> Playboy didn't exist yet. It was the I'm going to say early fifties to save my ass with the Playboy thing. Next week, 1951, <laughs> and Home and Garden. That was the Home and Garden magazine. Which was only thirty five cents. Um, now that's a good question too. I feel like it could be like five cents. Oh, uh, set the record straight. Thirty. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with thirty five cents. I'm, I'm sticking five, sticking five to my cents. sticking to my guns. Uh, and uh, every every edition, every monthly edition had a centerfold, and it was you go to the middle, you unfold it, you turn it, you know, vertically. And you go, hubba, hubba. Because right there would be a housewife of the month in a giant bowl of punch. Ooh. Just. Yeah. She's in it, but she's also drinking it. And it also, it just says, pleased as punch. Right, you know, in the font there. Pleased as punch to have this garden. Pleased as. this house. Yeah. I've got a hunch that I'm, that she's pleased as punch. Yeah, it's. Yeah, and I guess the caption there is whoever's taking the picture. Like, I've got a hunch that she's pleased as punch. Yeah. And it's a coy... And you're the viewer. The, that's, that's you. Yeah, and it's a, it's a coy housewife that's in a bowl. And it was to sell, like, some weird chemical... The American dream? It was to sell... <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it was to sell the American dream, which came conveniently in a five cent packet of of punch mix. Like a Kool-Aid oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be good. Like the if the magazine and Kool-Aid teamed up and they were like... Yeah, yeah. Or, or it was even attached in the magazine. Yeah, yeah. To try oh, it out. Oh, oh, try oh, it, a trial. Or a scratch and sniff. A scratch and, and sniff. Sni- yeah, scratch and sniff. That's what you're thinking <laughs> So uh, that's my... I, I know that's not the most exciting guess, but that are is... Are you kidding? That's a very... People are very aroused right now with that... With that. <laughs> With that, with that the, people in their cars are pulling over to the side of the road. They're they're like, like, oh, I gotta, I gotta slow down. I gotta, I gotta take a break. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take a break. Uh, that's that's my guess there. That's good. I would have gone with punch the drink too, but mm. it is not correct, my friend. I think everyone's surprised here. So here's the thing: uh, the actual origin goes m- much further back. Uh, it actually goes back to 1662. Out of here. Yep. Where Britain, England. Yep. God, you know, goes those, back to England. Those British are sitting mighty high on that horse over there. They are, aren't it's a, they? It's, a, it's an English we horse. We started everything. everything. Come on. So, all right. So, please, this punch actually doesn't reference the drink, which was my first thought too. It actually rep- references a puppet. No way, really. I'm not kidding. Yeah. One of those, like one of those punchy puppets. Well, the 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 name of the puppet. The puppet. Well, I guess you're gonna tell me. His name is Mr. Punch. Okay. And uh, he doesn't do so much a, a punching as he does is killing people with a stick. Mm, I've seen this. Yes, you have. And actually, for a lot of you viewers right now, you're gonna be like, you're gonna have like these visions of like, oh my god, this seems like I feel like I've seen this somewhere in the, my periphery, somewhere mm-hmm. before. So. It goes back to 1662 in England. There were these things called the Punch and Judy shows. Yeah. Now. Have we talked about these in the show before? I, I don't think we have. Oh, I've looked at it for some reason. This has been a, an idiom that I've wanted to look at since we started season two. Wow. Which was, I guess, three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I printed too much stuff. So I, I was just like, oh, I'm overwhelmed by how much I printed. But like, you know, had some time. So here's what you need to know. The first time that. Punch, Mr. Punch, uh, showed up in a puppet show, was in 1662 in England, but it wasn't the Punch and Judy show yet. Mm-hmm. He was like a side character. So uh, he was like, back then, everything was like marionette puppet shows, yeah. right? And he, the, the name Mr. Punch actually comes from Punchinello or Policinello. Which was a 16th century Italian commedia dell'arte. dell'arte yeah. Oh, you know Com- what dell'arte. that is? Are you kidding me? I've been practicing saying that, and you know what it is. What do this, you know? This is related to the French farce as well, right? Oh, the French farce. <laughs> Isn't everything a French farce, if you ask me? Wait, what do you, what do you know about the uh, The dell'arte? commedia dell'arte was... Yeah. Uh, it was um, a form of Italian traveling theater performances that had very like tight cast characters, right? Yeah. So there'd be like a princess and like some sort of authoritarian figure, and sure. there'd be some comedic figure, and they would wear very like specific masks. Yeah. And um, and and yeah, and they and a lot of the shows, even though they might have been different stories, had used similar names for the characters. Yeah. Right? So, okay, I'm, by the way, everyone, I've been saying yeah a lot as if I know what he's talking about, but like, but it actually makes sense to what I've researched because, you know, P- uh, Policinello 
back then he was like the trickster character mm-hmm. kind of like a like a pan or just like a like somebody that comes in and just disrupts stuff yeah right so he was he was a hunchback hook nose <laughs> jutting chin he had a floppy hat a jester's motley and his slapstick that's the big thing his oh. slapstick wow you're you're slamming us with Please this punch and slapstick etymology, aren't yes. you? Yes, wow. and, and I wanted it to. I wanted uh, Mr. Punch to be the origin of slapstick, mm-hmm. um, and also of punchline. But I wasn't able to get anything definitive mm-hmm. there. Okay, but yeah. you, you know, hey, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so that was like 16th century Italian, the Commedia dell'arte. Arte. Uh, that was a. Uh, it finally came over to England, and um, so Punch ended up being this marionette that like. He didn't have his own show, but he kept showing up in other people's shows, and he was kind of like this comedic relief, right? Mm. So there's actually this great quote here, too, from uh, 1728, John Swift. He wrote this about Punch. Wait, the Jonathan Swift? The John Swift. Wow. Um, wait, who is the John Swift? Do you know Jonathan him? Swift. He, he uh, wrote Gulliver's Travels and A Modest Proposal. It's probably him. Okay. Was he alive in 1728? Mm, probably, yeah. Okay. So... Observe. We may have to set the record Observe straight. Set the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy that helped us out? Washington? Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. Okay. Observe the audience is in pain when Punch is hid behind the scene. But when they hear his rusty voice, with what impatience they rejoice. So Punch ended up being like this character in many shows that would just show up when the audience needed like a little bit of like... like a, Comic a, relief. Like, yeah, yeah. So like an intermission sort of thing or, or just any show. It was just kind of like, it was like, Oh, this show's kind of boring here. Imagine becoming like a popular figure in, in puppet shows. Like, well, I mean, that's not so different than like popular cartoon characters of today. Right. But they need all sorts of rights to travel into other TV shows. They do now. Yeah. They do now. Right. So, okay. Here's basically what happened. Um, in, in 1660, he was just a character as time went on into like the 18th century, he became the star. So it was, um, they, they, they eventually had these things. Imagine, uh, the British seaside and Mm. they would have these, um, cliffs of Dover. They would have these booths, right? Uh, where it it was a white and red striped. And then there was like a little puppet show like for for all the kids and all that. Sure. So, um, what what this story basically had was you had Mr. Punch and his wife Judy and then there was like a couple other characters but the storyline was similar all the time but then would change there was actually people who would they would actually like their fathers would do punch uh the puppet shows and then they would pass it down to their kids and mm. like the little bit of spices that they would throw in there that was like specific to their show. Mm. But it always had the same stuff. Basically, it's Punch, it's his wife Judy, a baby usually, and then there was like a, a bunch of other cast of characters, which usually uh, there was like a dog, uh, death, uh, um, Satan, and uh, sometimes a crocodile or a ghost or whatever. But it, it always kind of goes like this. Don't say crocodile or ghost or whatever. Those are two very important well, well, characters as far are. as I'm concerned. Here's the thing about the, the crocodile and the ghost. is like, 
a lot of that, the Crocodile Ghost stuff sort of came when they switched the show to be more geared towards kids. Because this used to be for adults that right. were bored out of their fucking minds. Yeah. Like, just like, <laughs> oh my God, I have to wear a suit to the beach. What is wrong with us? It was probably pretty dirty too, right? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. So I actually watched an old Punch and Judy uh, uh you know, it was like a, it was from 1948, which isn't even that old, but it was with uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. It was a Christmas special. Okay. And one of the kids wishes for a Punch and Judy show. And he puts it on. And it's like, and in the first couple of seconds, like Punch is basically assaulting his wife. Like she does not want to have sex, but Punch wants to. Ooh. It's really, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. I don't think Punch would have fit in very well in this uh, modern age. No. And also his voice is really weird too, because to do Punch's voice, the the um, author, uh, authors, the uh, performers use something called a swazzle. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that? Uh, I've never heard of the word swazzle before. All right, so it's an instrument technically that you keep in your mouth. Oh, um, you make like like duck sounds, kind of. Or? Sort of, yeah. yeah. It it um ends up sounding like a uh, if you're speaking through a kazoo. Yeah, they're really annoying. Oh, it's so annoying. So basically, <laughs> I watched a Punch and Judy show, and it was you can't you can't understand what Punch is saying, and you know he's constantly jumping on his wife, who's constantly pushing him away, and then it just and it goes from there. So what happens in a lot of the shows, basically. It's kind of like the story of Cinderella, which is like, you know, an, uh, an old story from all over like the world and everybody has different elements, but you have to have pieces that are the same. What it usually is, is Punch and his wife, uh, the wife a lot of times will give Punch the baby to take care of mm-hmm. and he's not good at it. So what, what he'll do is like he'll accidentally drop the baby or sit on the baby and that's where we get, you know, like babysitting. I'm saying that's where we get babysitting, but you know, babysitting. Or my favorite is when he accidentally puts the, the uh, kid into a sausage grinder. Wow, that's, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is the wife comes back. She's like so upset with Punch. She is actually the first one to bring along the stick. Yeah. Beats Punch, but then Punch will beat her to death. <laughs> and then, and then when I he. I get it, it is funny. It is funny. And when he does it, he has a catchphrase. He'll mm-hmm. say, That's the way to do it. And then. So he's already killed the baby, already killed his wife. And then, uh, you know, the constable will show up, mm-hmm. beats him to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of times in the older shows, there was a hangman, which Punch would uh, a lot of times confuse to uh, make him hang himself. Hmm. And then uh, he would also beat death and beat Satan. And what about the ghost of the crocodile? So uh, so there was different characters that would come up. Um, and they would all get punched and beat and stuff. Everyone loses... Punchy punch. wins yeah. every time. Yeah. Um, so uh, the ghost and the crocodile actually seem to be like when they kind of switched gears in the 20th century to be more for kids. Oh, okay. Uh, so less death. Yeah, but also like the crocodile, the crocodile would eat the sausage that I think was, was the made baby? of his baby. Yeah. Baby yeah. sausage in crocodile mouth yeah. for a play title doesn't really go for kids. Oh, that sounds good, good. to me, though. <laughs> Baby sausage, like crocodile. I'd like to see that. <laughs> anyway, so what you what you have to get by Mr. Punch is he was just like a maniacal serial killer. I get just it. Just laughing the whole time and saying <laughs> that's the way to do it. He's pleased mm-hmm. by all the punching that he's doing. Pleased his punch. Yeah. Right. Um. 
our show. Yeah, that's kind of it. Great. I definitely did not know that. And uh, I think maybe we could uh, we could probably pull off a special Punch and Judy show for the yes. for all the fans out there yes. that are dying to see what what we can do with 21st century technology. Yes. And apply that to uh, P&J. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Punch a belly and jelly. Punch a belly and jelly. Yeah. So um, that's that's the story that I have right here. I got a couple of fun facts if you got time for them. Uh, don't have time, but we'll, well listen. Well, so let me just uh, let me just jump on here. So uh, Policinello that I mentioned earlier might have actually developed from the word pulsino, meaning chicken, hmm. referring to the character's beak-like mask and squeaky voice. Okay. You know, because he used to be kind of like a fun side character that kind of jumps in there, you know? All right. Uh, the first version ever of of Punch was in England in Covent Garden in May 9th, 1662, which is considered Punch's English birthday. Oh, Because the English, they love this guy. He's considered a British icon, right along with the double-decker buses and the red phone booth. That, that sounds like you read something Mm-mm. that said that. No, I'm telling you, you can look up like... You can look up like a, a list of iconic British and Punch is one of them. Stuff. Yeah, he's one of them. Although, a top of even one though of, they stole it from Italy, top of one of the lists was Mr. Bean, which I was so happy oh, with. Mr. Bean, he's sort of yeah, yeah. I, you could really Definitely. see him being like he's a, an iconic a, British like a, thing, but Definitely. I mean, you could see him being like a marionette in a show. He's sort Mr. of Mr. Bean. Yeah, 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 yeah you know he definitely I mean? could. Yeah, um, so. Punch and uh, Punch and Judy actually showed up in a couple of movies because so here's the thing that uh, registered so much with me is when I started looking this up I had a flash to something that I thought actually was Mr. Bean and then it took me doing a little bit more research to figuring out where where my memory of this came from so he's been in uh, The Godfather two mm-hmm. the horror movie The Dolls hmm. which. You're a horror movie guy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the dolls? Yeah, yeah. Well, so a punch doll actually comes to life and protects a young girl. Oh, wow. Um, the the little, opposite of what you'd expect him to do. Yeah. Little Mermaid and the Muppets Christmas Carol. And then I finally found the one that I was looking for, which was the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen, hmm. which if you remember people, when, um, when he goes to the North Pole for the first time and they give him pajamas... Uh, and he's getting changed. Yeah. There's a room where he's getting changed, and it looks like there's a mechanical puppet show going on yeah. behind him. And, and it's the Punch and Judy show. Well, when he when he takes off his when he drops his drawers, uh, the the characters are like, "Oh my god!" They kind of like react to that, and right. I'm like, "Oh my god!" That that's the Punch and Judy puppets going on there. Wow. Um, the last thing I have here is that Charles Dickens was a fan. Of not only the idiom, but of punch in general. He has uh, references in David Copperfield and in his book Hard Times, uh, where he uses uh, proudest punch and, uh, I'm sorry, pleased as punch and proudest punch. You have, there you have it, kids. So you read Charles Dickens. Yeah. David Copperfield, Hard Times. You heard it here. We promote literacy, learning about idioms. Really makes you smarter. It does. Do you feel any smarter? I've been to his house. Have you? Yeah. What's it's it nice. like? It's in London. It's in London. There's just it's covered with Punch and Judy wallpaper 
<laughs> every single room. Wow, that makes sense actually. And there's little there's little slapsticks. There's like little slapstick holders on in every hallway in case you want to beat your wife or uh, throw your kid in a sausage grinder <laughs> or partner <laughs> or partner. We hey. whatever or partner whatever. <laughs> um, alrighty, that's it. I'm pleased as punch. All right, well we're gonna we're gonna come back with the next dingbat cocktail and jump into idiom two. Can you guess what it's gonna be? Our next dingbat cocktail, which uh, consists of anise and cinnamon syrup and Admiral Nelson's rum. Yeah, good call, Maria, on the Admiral Nelson's rum. And also has some... Shoot, what else? What's the other thing? Uh, oh, lemon juice. I forgot the lemon juice. Shit, <laughs> it, uh, Ryan! Wait, wait, sorry, one Break. second. One second. Break. Okay, so we added the lemon. It tastes much better. And uh, we just wanted to thank, thank Maria... Maria the Nocturnal, Maria Franz, uh, for sending us this this amazing cocktail yeah, dude, that recipe. That's so cool. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, we appreciate it. it and it's really good. It tastes like, well, you said it tastes like breakfast. Now it tastes like, with the lemon, it tastes like a... Uh, brunch. Brunch. <laughs> <laughs> this but is make really... sure you go check out Maria the Nocturnal. I think she does drinks every day on her Instagram at... Maria, Maria the, no- the Nocturnal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said it at Instagram.com. <laughs> also, thank you to our friend Katie who hooked us up with Maria because, you know, you know, you got you to gotta have a middleman. Albert, I got to say that uh, you're really gung-ho about thanking people oh, no, right he now. Just, he just threw it in. The, he threw the idiom in there. All right. So my idiom is gung-ho. God damn it. Okay. Gung-ho. Yeah. What does gung-ho mean? Well, it means you're very excited. It does. I'll just stop there. That's, okay, it's excited, overly exaggerated, of course. Okay. So we've all heard gung-ho. We've all used it at some point. Can you guess the origin story of the idiom gung-ho? Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. All right. <laughs> gung-ho. All right. So we're going back to when were cowboys big, right? Real big. Mm, I don't know, like the 1850s? 1850s. So All right, let's go. 1870s? 1849. And there was a young man named Homan. Homan. That wanted to be a cowboy. Okay. He really did. It was Homan from the Middle East, or who was Homan? He was from very far Okay, away. far away. His mother brought him from far, hmm. far away. And he didn't look like other cowboys, but he really wanted to be a cowboy. So he, he tried to be one. And he's essentially the Rudy of football. You know, like football Rudy? He's like the, he's like, he's like the cowboy uh, Rudy. Do you remember Rudy? Yeah, we remember Rudy. Right. So he's the Rudy of Cowboys. He's the Rudy of Cowboys. Continue. So there was a time when when he was 14 mm-hmm. and he wanted to, he was on Slackjaw Ranch. Slackjaw Ranch. And the ranch was, the ranch was deep, deep in 
Arizona. I just want to say in for the, the record that deep Arizona. Albert is breaking a sweat right <laughs> okay, now, okay, trying okay. to come okay. up no, with. No, 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 no. <laughs> so most usually you had to wait until you were sixteen to mm-hmm. to ride the Buck and Bronco, mm-hmm. but Homan decided that he needed to like prove prove his worth sure. at fourteen. Yeah. So they were at a rodeo and. In between takes, rodeo takes, like you know, they were they were switching off one cowboy from another. Okay. Uh, cowboy was getting a drink of water, and Homan jumps on, says, gives the gives the thumbs up, I'm ready to go, and he went a full 15 seconds on the bucking bronco, which is a record in deep Arizona, <laughs> All right. deep dusty Arizona. Wow. And and how does Gung Ho play a role in this? They said. They were like, look at Ho, gun, gun, Ho. Look at him go, gun, Ho. <laughs> He's, they all started shooting their guns is actually what happened. They, they, he, Cause he broke the record. So they shot their guns and they said, gun, Ho. He, he broke the record. He's only 14. Gun. And he's from a faraway land. So it's, uh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it was originally gun, Ho, Ho, Man. Home on the range. Home on the range. Yes. Wow. All right. So basically, it's a kid that was showing he was beyond his years because he had something to prove. Right. And he did. He proved it. He proved it. He beat the record. Good. 15 seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but on a bucking Bronco, it is. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, thanks, Albert. That's uh, totally incorrect, and I appreciate you playing today. Damn it. That <laughs> was way off. <laughs> way off. Way, 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 way off. It's a tough world where you can't meth... Never mind. No, no. Try to finish that sentence. <clears throat> You're not allowed to say any ethnicity of all uh, anywhere, so you, you can't you say can. Is, that was, Ho was from China. You can say that. Oh. And, in fact, Gung Ho comes from Chinese. See? Yeah, so you can just say that. Well, you know, it's a tough time right now. You can't say everything. You can say people's ethnicities. Okay. Well, right. gung, in my mind, the whole time, Gung Ho was Chinese. All right. So so in your mind, there was a, a boy who was brought to the West from China. Yes. Who aspired to be a cowboy. Mm-hmm. He got on this Bronco. You keep saying buck. Bucking Bronco. Bronco. <laughs> bucking Bronco. That's what they do. Okay. So th- this this young Chinese boy got on a, bu- on a bucking Bronco and and they screamed gung ho. Well, they and they shot their guns. And they shot their guns. So and, and in the end, they really supported this young Chinese boy who had had uh, immigrated here. Yeah, because that's what you want to see. You want to see somebody that like really you know tries really hard. Yeah. Even okay. If they're not that good. All right. Great. That's fine, man. That was a good guess. All right. Uh, it was wrong. Totally wrong. Oh. However, it is Chinese, and we're going to talk about that today. All right. So American. It's an Americanism. Gung ho is not a phrase in sh- that's used in China, um, right? And it's it's Mandarin for work together, work in harmony. Okay, but right. but we can blame the Marine Corps for changing its meaning and I'm making it. So glad we could blame someone. <laughs> I guess it's not. It's actually it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good it's a good thing that we adopted. But it does come from the Marine Corps, and it comes from World War II. Okay. Right. So so there was a there was this major Evans Carlson. 
And he was... Evans was his first name? Uh, Major Evans Carlson. Yeah. He's a multiple person. <laughs> oh, hi. I'm no, Evans. <laughs> that sucks. You know it's... what? Is that a thing still? No, he was, seemed like a cool guy. Let me, let me talk Sorry. about him a little okay. bit. Okay. All right. All right. Albert's having some, some trouble here. With that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, tru- I'm having trouble with a singular person having multiple names. Listen, this guy, this, this Major Evans Carlson... Uh, was well respected. He's and he was. He seemed like a very. He wanted to know the truth about the world. He was stationed in China for a while, and he 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 went off the beaten path. He explored territories that were not familiar to most Americans, and he learned a thing or two by by observing the Chinese uh, guerrilla combatants who who mm-hmm. compared to the American military at the time. He was like. These guys have got it. And he was impressed. They're gung-ho. So he was impressed by the communist soldiers, which is so well, funny. What's not to be impressed of, by communist soldiers? Because Americans are like, communism. Ah! Uh, so afraid of communism. Always. The 50s, the 80s, probably now. I think it sounds pretty good, actually. It sounds whatever. No one cares. We can commune. <laughs> Commune. Communicate. So, uh, but by um, by by working in China and working with the Chinese, he was able to observe the Japanese at the time, who mm. who were you know in during World War II were part of the Axis. Of course. So they were our enemies. You recall Hiroshima, Nagasaki. I do. Not good. But not good. But at the time, um, it's kind of the whole reason of this podcast, really. Oh, whoa. You're right. It is. But let's get that's deviated. So Major Carlson observed uh, how the Japanese fought. And he also observed how the Chinese were so committed to one idea, one goal, and were, you know, just always working together. And if you recall, gung-ho in Mandarin means working together to work in harmony. Well, yeah. So... In the late 30s, early 40s, he he's he decided to leave the Marine Corps. He's, he asked to leave the Marine Corps because he wanted to spread the word about the danger of the Japanese, which was obviously legitimate because they were part of the Axis during the war. And eventually he asked to be reinstated because the war got so bad. Because you'll recall that America got involved with World War II kind of late. A little late. We jumped in. Yeah. Well, Even though we love taking credit. Sleeping. The country loves taking credit for all. I mean, you know, they, of course, obviously, I mean, my grandfather included. <laughs> but they could have. My ju- grandfather was in a war. I forget what it, he was. Was a your chef, grandfather, though. was he in World War II? Mm, is he the same age as your grandfather? I don't know. I mean, my grandfather's passed away at this point. Mm. Me too. Luigi, He's been dead for a while. Luigi's Luigi's dead. Wait, um, on your mom's side. Yeah, yeah, they were the same age. So he was in World War Two, but yeah. he was where was he, he stationed? In he was in the kitchen. It, well, there's not just one kitchen in World War Two. There are many a, kitchens. He had a rival chef. Actually, this is true. This is true story. Wait, 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 wait. This is a true story. So he, um, oh, what did he do to the guy? He played a prank on the other chef, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I forget what the prank was. Okay. Dick in a taco, maybe. <laughs> okay, Dick in a taco. And then he ran for it, 
right? He, yeah. he made a run for it. And the other chef, this is not a joke, I'm not, yeah. took a giant military-grade spatula and threw it at my grandfather. Yeah. And it severed his Achilles tendon. The and spatula? And he got the purple heart. No, he, he didn't. He didn't get the purple heart, but he did, he did get to leave, I think. So because he got cut with a spatula... He couldn't be he, a soldier anymore. That is insane. Are you serious? The, the spatula cutting his Achilles tendon is true. Right. Can we get back to my original question, which sure. was, where was he I stationed? I love you, Grandpa. You said the kitchen, but that doesn't make <laughs> any, that does not answer my question really in any way at all. Was he? I don't know. <laughs> he, was, he was a kid. He was, he, he, how do you, here's what I want to know. Yeah. Let's say we get drafted, right? Is it like one in every hundred is like, all right, your kitchen duty. Well, during your World War II, guy. a lot of men signed up for, to be part of the war. Sure they did. So what I'm saying is, how do you end up in the kitchen? Uh, you can't, I don't know. Like, do you think it's a luck of the draw thing? I don't think my grandfather was like a cook. Did he sign on. up to be? You should probably investigate this, you know? Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't imagine going to a war unless you had to, but I guess people did. Well, I mean, but there were, I mean, World War II is, there were, uh, I mean, the Nazis <laughs> were taking over, man. Yeah, like, yeah, people, yeah. <laughs> they needed to eat. <laughs> I mean, people needed to stop that from happening. Mm, so mm-hmm. our grandparents' generation were like, we need to do something. So they signed up. Were they the, this great, wasn't, were they the greatest generation? The great generation. Oh, that's definitely. Um, Dude, uh, my I grandpa, mean, you're thinking man. of like Vietnam, man. Like Vietnam was a, that was it bullshit. It could have been. But World War II, we ha- they had to sign up. They wanted to because they wanted to. They wanted to make change. I mean, realistically, your grandpa and my grandpa are the same age, right? Yeah. Ish. I'm just asking where he I was. I don't know. You should look that up. I should. That's interesting. It is interesting. And it's kind of funny that he got <laughs> discharged, or not discharged, but um, he, he, he left, went on leave. Could you imagine getting that tendon severed? That big one right in the back of the... The back of the old heel. That would suck. Um, we've sorry, gotten a little I'm off sorry, track here. Sorry. Uh, anyway, we can cut this. Yeah, maybe we should cut this. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> All right. So, um, Major Evans Carlson uh, reinstated into the military corps, and he had this this concept that he developed by watching the Chinese to create a special forces, and it was the first special forces to exist in the military. And he not only changed the structure of what uh, a, t- a typical military, um, like, a, I don't know, oh, Jesus, I guess. Force? I know. No, I mean, like, they were. Uh, a um, regime? Oh, my God. Dude, I'm just, like, imagining my brother-in-law who's in the Navy listening to this. being. <laughs> hey, like, Patrick. Hey, <laughs> what's going on? drunk idiots do not know what they're talking about. Just a unit. So oh, he, yeah. he changed the structure of the unit. And it was less about hierarchy and more about working together, which was this whole gung ho oh, um, yeah. philosophy. Yeah. And uh, they led one of the first raids in the the Pacific, which was this this raid on Macon Island. So this- Macon Island. <laughs> Macon Island. <laughs> yeah. What about it? They're making an island. Well, yeah. It's called Mac. Well, we call it Macon Island. Who know? You know, the islanders Ooh, probably called something yeah, else. So they're like, "Oh, you took my home." So uh, they, they, uh, the Japanese had a garrison on this this really small island. I mean, 
in between, I guess it's like, it's just in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific, you know, equal distance from Hawaii and Japan and Australia, just like in the middle of nowhere. Cool. But, but this island had, uh, well, uh, you know, natives lived on the island, but the Japanese used it as a place for, um, you know, for like basically like an in-between for their ships and stuff and yeah. for their planes. So, uh, so they could get more rum, more rum, more, more fuel. And, uh, I don't know, bananas, maybe. I don't know what else is on that island. Yeah. What I want to know is how did, it looks like nothing's on how that did island. the people that live there get to be living there? Dude, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there are, that's, there are all these little islands in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific. Yeah. I, they just got, how do they get there? Yeah, I even don't animals like out at like. But uh, but so we we took two submarines, um, and then called you in the morning, and and then uh, they called me in the morning. <laughs> anyway, they uh, they got these <laughs> small rubber boats, and they um approached the the island um in the morning, and uh, the the natives actually helped them to like find where the Japanese were on this little island. Yeah. And basically it was this huge battle where um, there was a uh, bonsai attack where the Japanese, oh, bonsai. Yeah, they just yeah. like run at the, the, like their the soldiers and they just like start screaming and shooting. And, but actually the Americans took them all out and well, probably cause they were screaming so loud. They were easy to find. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that always kind of ruins it. Uh, but, uh, we ended up taking out like a couple of planes and a couple of ships. Um, we annihilated the garrison. We burned a thousand barrels of airplane fuel. Uh, but the main one of the main reasons was to try to get some intelligence. But there's there's some there's some arguments about whether or not this is actually a successful raid because eventually the Japanese were like, okay, now we know they know these certain things and were able to protect themselves and right. be more successful later. And then, you know, Pearl Harbor happened and, you know, I mean, the raid was successful to a degree, but it actually right. probably created more problems than, than any solutions. And this, but, but the, the, the U.S. used this as a propaganda and they made a sure. whole, they made a whole film called Gung Ho in oh, 1943. Cool. And it was all about the raid on Macon Island because you can imagine like everyone, everyone wanted good news. You know, that's, I mean. Uh, every country does this, this propaganda where our soldiers are the best and they're doing so many great things. And, you know, oh, even though 19 guys died while this was going on, look what we did. We blew <laughs> 19 up. more survived. <laughs> we, we blew up a couple ships and we blew up some planes. And uh, and and anyway, that's that's where we we get gung ho from. Wow, that is so cool. So then and the Marine you know, Corps, then there's like spread through the Marine Corps and, and everyone started using gung ho. Somehow, you know, it eventually changed to like being like really energetic or enthusiastic about something. Right, right, right. You know, this, this reminds me of something. What does it remind you of? Mm, Do you know? A good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, just having a gung ho good time. We can cut this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. So, if you ever want to sit down and watch the 1943 movie, yes, Gung Ho, with to. an exclamation point. There's also a... Oh, a, an exclamation point in the title? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and in the 80s, Ron Howard made a movie called Gung Ho. Ron Howard, Michael really? Keaton's in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. And 
Basically, Michael you, Bluth. Uh, Michael Bluth is not in it now. Ugh. So, so there you go. <laughs> Thank you. So anyway, everyone, hopefully you're pleased as punch that you made it all the way through to the end of this uh, episode. And uh, hopefully you're gung-ho to listen to episode 28, which is coming out in two weeks. So Bi-weekly, that's right. That's us. <laughs> no promises broken. We're the bi-weekly boys. Uh, we would suggest not sending us any more cocktail ideas for future episodes uh, until we really figure out the how to drink the speaking to drinking ratio right which i think i think we'll we'll be able to figure out very soon we yeah well but it was very sweet of you to send them out there well, thank we, you very we, much we did very we very asked a lot asked we hardly them. asked all right guys so thanks for listening if you have any questions comments you can email us at don't be an idiom at gmail.com you can hit us up on the old instagram and we'll promise for low-budget Photoshop posts to suit your every need every single day. Does that make sense? Yeah. To you? But until then, don't, don't be, be an, an idiot. idiot. We're sorry. So sorry. We got sloppy And we're still cleaning it up Those cocktails Whoa, those cocktails Were strong As hell They really packed the punch We won't ever Do that again. I cross my heart and hope to die. Sincerely, so sincerely, a drunken idiot. Friends, so long, sweetheart. I'll leave a dart. I'll leave a dart. I'll leave a dart.